0: My name is DJ Iverson, I'm associate pastor here at New Vintage Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person or watching later this week, uh, we are blessed uh, to be able to worship God together on another beautiful Sunday. Um, it's Mother's Day, a great, ho- yeah, woo for the mothers, that's fine, yeah, go for it, woo for mothers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite Mother's Day greeting comes from, uh, actually, from the surprisingly enough Padres radio announcer. Uh, my favorite uh, Mother's Day greeting is a happy birthday to all the mothers out there. Uh, yeah, you get a dad joke. You're welcome. Uh, no, we. Uh, I know Mother's Day uh, is a lot of fun. It can be tricky for some. Also, uh, I know we have a whole wide range of emotions. Uh, In here for Mother's Day. Some folks uh, have phenomenal mothers. Um, Some folks uh, have lost their mothers or don't have a relationship. Uh, Some are desiring to be mothers and aren't able to. Uh, Some are able to be mothers and don't desire to. Whatever that is on the spectrum, we hope that uh, you're blessed, um, that you feel uplifted today. Um, And and even if, man, man, if you're just a mother figure, Uh, For some folks, I I know uh, of a lady who doesn't have any kids of her own, but has probably influenced thousands to be great mothers. And uh, and, and so I want to lift, whatever your situation is, I want to lift you up and I pray that you have a blessed Mother's Day. Uh, I couldn't preach on Mother's Day and not tell a story about my mom. Um, She's been through a lot, obviously. Um, She had a rough time. Uh, raising me because uh, I'm me. That, that, that's, that's all on me. But, um, now my, my mom set a good example. I, I wouldn't be in ministry if it weren't for my mom. My mom was a youth pastor uh, without the title. Uh, my mom was, um, she was always adamant. One of the things I appreciate about her, she was always adamant that our house would always have the front door open for our friends. And... Um, that's not the most glamorous thing necessarily, uh, but it's something that stuck with me. Uh, it's something that I remember. Uh, one of my favorite stories, it's not, I was thinking about this this week. Um, so we're in a series called Even Though. Uh, we're going through the book of Philippians. It's, it's Paul's letter to the Philippians he wrote in jail. And one of the premises that we're kind of, the lens that we're looking through this scripture from, uh, we're going to be in Philippians 2 today. Uh, we're looking through this, this scripture kind of through the lens of even though all this other stuff is going on. Even though there's excuses, even though there's reasons not to, whatever. Even though, despite all the things that are going on, here's what we're going to do. And um, I was thinking about one of my favorite stories from my mom. We, um, w- w- so we moved to Washington middle of my freshman year. And my senior year, like right before my senior year started, we had just started making friends. Um, We had, you know, hanging out with kids, you know, teens coming over and stuff. And we bought a new house right before our senior year. And one of the cool things about our, there were a couple cool things about our our new house. Uh, One, it was really close to the high school. So um, for the times when my car broke down, I could walk to high school, which happened a lot more than I'd like to admit. Um, but there's also our house kind of, it was close enough where we were like, we could come home at lunch and get back on campus, um, usually in time for a second bell. Um, but um, one of the cool things about this house, so it had another living room. Like we had a, the house we had been renting, like it had a living room, like the living TV room, living room TV room and all that kind of. Well, this had another one, which is pretty cool, like, and, and what I've noticed with most moms, or a lot of moms that I grew up around, you ever you notice there's that room in the house like nobody goes in? Like, this mom, this is untouchable. Like, it actually has white carpet that's clean, right? Like, the china's in there, there's the table that uh, you sit around Thanksgiving and pretend like you eat there all year, but, like, nobody's allowed to go in, like, like, And some of you are like, ah, we've got that room. Like, that's fine. That's cool. We never did. Our house was kind of a, like, you're allowed to play ball in the house kind of house growing up. Um, But we never really had, like, like the nice, you can't go in there room. And so when we moved into this new house and we had this whole new room right in the front of the house to furnish, Mom did what, well, What we thought mom was going to do was, this is going to be the nice room. We don't go here, white carpet, nice chairs, China, the whole nine. What my mom actually did was went to Costco and bought a ping pong table. Right there, first thing you saw when you walked into the Iverson house for years was a ping-pong table right in the living room. This is Seattle. It's too cold to play ping-pong out in the garage. My mom says, we'll put it right in front and center of the house. So your friends come in. They know they're welcome. They can grab a snack from the fridge. And you guys can play ping-pong, hang out, whatever. And that's what we did. Most of my senior year, my friends and I would kind of leave campus for lunch, whether or not that was allowed. It's um, still gray area with Eastlake High School and my uh, alma mater, but we'd come home, we'd hang out, grab a sandwich, watch some Jerry Springer and play ping pong. And sometimes we even made it back, well, we may have taken a couple second lunches in there, but we had a blast. And, And I remember in college, my sister's a few years younger than me, I remember in college I would come home and I'd walk in the front door and there'd be a ton of kids that I have no idea who they were. I, like, there were more kids hanging out there than, like, the rec center. Like, you just walk in and you just see, like, a third of Eastlake High School. And then hopefully my sister would be there, too. And sometimes she wasn't. And just kids would come and hang out at our house. And I love that about my mom. Nothing grand. Nothing spectacular. A little out on the normal. But mom gave up that mom room so that... Our friends had a place to stay, uh, hang out, and, and kick back and relax and, and grab a snack. The fridge always had Pepsi's in it and ding-dongs without fail. Yeah, and somebody's like, where's your mom live right now? Um, <laughs> no, I love that about her. And, and I was thinking about that story because um, we're, we're talking about, uh, in Philippians 2, we're talking about Paul's call here. To have a humility like Christ. And I think Mother's Day is a really, really easy tie-in for a lot of us that have grown up with good, godly mothers. There's a really easy tie-in for those examples. Examples are are somewhat built in uh, for understanding what it means to be humble like Christ. And what I love about Paul's approach here, uh, Paul is pretty direct. One of the cool things I love about Philippians, uh, Philippians is a great book to read if you haven't read a lot of the Bible. Philippians is very straightforward. There's not a lot of metaphors. It's a lot of straightforward talk with actions that are maybe more difficult to put into practice, but they're very simple to learn. And, and, And so I love Paul's straightforwardness. Maybe there wasn't a lot of pen and paper in prison, and so he had to be when he wrote this. Whatever the reason... Um, it's, it's very practical, so let's do this. Let's dive into some scripture here, and let's talk about uh, this call to imitate the humility of Christ. Philippians 2, uh, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any relationship, if you want to be like Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. So there's the call. We're called to be humble (coughs) like Christ. So how do we do that, Paul? Verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking, to own, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So here's what we pull from this. This is it's very practical, very easy to read, but tough, tough to put into action sometimes. Let's go through this real quick. This is what Paul says here. If we're to have Christ-like humility, remove actions, motivated, by ego. And let's just think about this for a second. Let's just pause for a second. What was the last argument you got into? You don't have to say it out loud. We don't want to start anything back up. What was the last serious argument you got into? Now think about if you removed your ego from that argument or desire to win from that argument. How does that interaction change? Just one example, right? So often the obstacle for humility is our ego. And so that's what Paul says right off the bat. That's what we get rid of. First and foremost, your ego has to take a back seat. And it's not that you don't care about yourself. It's this desire to win. It's the desire to be better than others. (coughs) Paul says, if you want to have a Christ-like humility, we need to remove ego from the daily interactions that we have. Secondly this is a tricky one value others above yourself it's pretty straightforward It's, it's, it's pretty self explanatory but let's just pause here and think through this Value others above yourself. I'll start with the asterisks on this. This statement, this call, implies that you have value. In order to value others, you have to know that you have value first. So let's start there. And if you're only value is the value that comes to you from Christ, that is a fine place to begin. So for all my people out there that, that, struggle, with, um, that, that struggle with self-esteem, that, that struggle with uh, depression, and, and, and maybe, ha- maybe can take this scripture wrong, let's just put the pause there real quick. This scripture implies that you immediately have value because of Christ's relationship with you. So, if nothing else, and maybe for some of us, that's a place we need to go back to. Maybe we need to reduce ourselves to, if nothing else, Jesus loves me. Then, we start to look at others. If we want to be humble Like Christ, we value others above ourselves. He also goes on to say, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. If we want to be humble like Christ, our default becomes the interest of others. And this is pretty, cool, pretty radical teaching. It, it's radical teaching now. It's certainly countercultural now. In a culture that says, I can do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Has anybody heard that before? I can do, you do you, I'll do me, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, which is total garbage. None of us live in a vacuum. Jesus is speaking to to that here. We default first to the interest of others. That's what it means to be humble like Christ. It's not consider. It's not hear. It's beyond that. Our default is we look to the interest of others. I'm awful at this. So you guys are going to have to pick up the slack. We'll just leave that there, right? No, like this is something we all work on together, right? Because this is a tough one. This is, this is completely countercultural to what we learn and what we see, right? And it's so easy to get sucked into the worldly mode of this of I got to take care of me and mine, right? We're told that's what you have to do. You take care of yours, I'll take care take care of mine. Well, what happens when those interests no longer align? What happens when there's friction there? What happens when your interests now all of a sudden supersede my comfort? Our default is to flip what we see in the world on its head. And consider the interests of others first. What's great is we have this example already. This is what Christ did. Christ, of course, set the example for us and showed us what Paul is talking about here in this scripture. In Philippians 5, in your relationships with one another... The assumption there is, you are not alone in this. What you do affects other people. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. If anyone who has ever walked this earth had a reason to have an ego... It's Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Right? If anyone had the right or the privilege to have an ego and to, have a, to, to flex on this world, do you know who I am? It's Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate. But he didn't use it to his own advantage. That's what the passage said. He gave up his place. With God, he gave up his likeness with God to be here, to humble himself, to be with us. And to me, to be honest, I lose the strength of that sometimes. I lose the power of that sometimes. I think sometimes I get a little too friendly with Jesus and I forget who I'm talking to. Does that make sense? Does anybody else feel that way? Like, I I get really buddy buddy with Jesus sometimes, and and sometimes I forget he's kind of a big deal. This is God in the flesh here. And, And sometimes I get a little too comfortable because he does such a great job serving me in my life, and my ego gets a little out of check. But he was God. He had every reason, he had every reason to operate with ego, and he didn't. He chose not to. Rather, verse 7, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Not just a human, but a servant. He didn't just come down to be a human and say, you know what, let's go halfway. I'll be human, but I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king, but not like that. he He went full send on this. I love it. He didn't just become human. He became a human servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The ultimate act of humility ultimate act of sacrifice and obedience and that's what Jesus does therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth God puts him right back in his place and every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father So we see the call to be humble like Christ. And we see what Christ did to be humble, so why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? Because there's always an even though. There's always some kind of obstacle. There's always some reason for us not to. Can I get an amen? There's always always that little thing. Maybe it's I just forgot. Hey, I just let it slip. Maybe, you know what, my ego got in the way today. Maybe I don't know what to do in this situation. I I just flat out don't know what to do. There's always some excuse. I would argue that Paul has these pretty well narrowed down. Uh, We're going to backtrack a little bit. We're going to go to Philippians 1. uh, starting in verse 27. I think Paul addresses all of the even those that come up. When it comes to our humility, why aren't we able to live this out wholly? Here's some of the even those that Paul brings up. Uh, Starting in verse 27, Philippians chapter 1. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you, Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So, what are the even those? What are the excuses that Paul says even he's battling there? And he knows the Philippians are battling. He knows that we are battling a couple thousand years later. The call is to humble yourself and serve even though The circumstances are difficult. Paul acknowledges the difficulty of his situation. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't downplay it. He doesn't pretend like it doesn't exist. He calls it for what it is. He says, uh, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Our humility is not dependent upon our circumstances. The circumstances will never be perfect. The circumstances will never be ideal. We're called to be humble like Christ even though it will be difficult. You're going through a tough time at work with your boss. Even though that's going on, we have a call to be humble. Well, I don't get along with my family. Even though there's drama going on, the call is to be humble. I have to drive to 78 every day. Even though... You're going three and a half miles an hour, right? The circumstances will always be there. Paul. That's what I love about Paul's letter. Paul is so pragmatic. He says, look, it's there. Call it for what it is and go from there and and, and go. Don't ignore it. The circumstances are difficult, okay? Humble yourself. I love this one. Accountability may or may not be present. Um, so confession time. Uh, I'm a t-ball coach. We've got a phenomenal team. It's a lot easier to be humble about that when all the parents are there watching and all the kids are there. And then when it's just me, like bragging, like, bragging to my friends, like, how awesome our team is. It's a small one, but it's real, right? Sometimes our humility is actually easier when others are around, right? Sometimes it's easier to walk the walk when we have somebody that we know is going to keep us in check if we don't. What Paul is saying is, look. Look. I may or may not be there to see what you do, to see how you're living, to see how you're acting. It doesn't matter. Even if I'm there, even if I'm not, the call is still the same, to live humbly. And here's a big one. Humble yourself and serve even though you are Fearful. I'm afraid what might happen if, fill in the blank. If you haven't dealt with this, I would love to hear your sermon series. I would love to hear the coaching on this because this is something I struggle with so much. So often, the action steps that it would take to live humbly are terrifying. What happens if I lose my place? What, ha- what are these people going to think of me? What happens if I say this? There's, there's consequences if, if, I, if I share this. It's going to cost me time, effort, energy, money, something. Something that I value. It's going to cost me. And I'm afraid. And that's what Paul's addressing. Paul's like, look, I'm in prison I'm scared. The fear is here. Of every reason to be afraid. Jesus had every reason. Jesus lived his whole life knowing that the cross was coming. Jesus lived his whole life knowing that the cross was coming. And he still went. And, and so the question is, is if we're going to live humbly like Christ, are we going to allow fear... Once again, to step in the way of that relationship. Lastly, Paul says, humble yourself and serve even though you face opposition. In the words of the great philosopher Yoda, you will. You will face opposition. You will face those that will test every limit of your relationship with Christ. You will face culture that will test the limit and the fabric and the foundation of your relationship with Christ, right? You will have every reason, every excuse... Not to live a life of humility, not to live a life of service, you will face opposition. And Paul says, even though you face that opposition, and you will, the call is still to live humbly. Going back to Mother's Day, I think what's cool for a lot of us, I think one of the reasons that Mother's Day uh, became something to celebrate and why, why people celebrate it in and outside of the faith is um, when it's done well, it's such a good example, su- such an easy place to find those examples of Christ-like humility in action. And I know for me it helps to have people that kind of light the path along the way. Amen? Have those people that you can look to and say, oh, this is what that scripture means in real life. So action steps, what do we do? How, how do we put this in action? Because... Um, as powerful as the scripture is, and as powerful as the message here that Paul has, um, it would be a shame for us to read this and go home and just do nothing, right? Malaise is definitely an even though. So let's get some action steps. And I think this is what Paul is telling us to do with Christ. And, and maybe this is something that we do with not just Christ. Maybe this is something we do with, maybe it's a mother figure. Maybe it's a friend or a mentor or a a brother and sister in Christ. Watch those who humbly serve. If I was going to add anything, I'd say watch for those. Watch those who serve. Find the people in your life that help you put a little bit of imagery of Christ-like humility together, right? There, There are people that I know, my mom, fortunately being one of them, there are people that I know that are my examples of being humble. I watch what they do. Oh, that's how you handle that situation. Second, imitate those who humbly serve. I like what that person is doing. I like where their life is going. I like the Jesus that I see in their life. And so I'm going to go do what they do. I'm going to put into action the things that they're putting into action. And if I'm not sure where to... Uh, this is a great step, especially if you don't know where to start. If you see somebody that you love, that you know has a great faith... Just start doing what they do. What is it that they do that helps them be like Jesus? And that's a great foot in the door for developing our own relationship over following Jesus. And thank those who humbly serve. Last but not least, thank those who humbly serve. Um cool part of Mother's Day. Uh, I always thank my mom. I thank my wife. My wife is a beautiful, humble servant uh, to our boys, to me, uh, to our family, to our church community. My sisters, a humble servant um, as a mom. There are other mother figures in my life. Uh, my best friends' parents have served in that capacity. Uh, families that mentored me in college. Um, what, a great, what a great reminder today to say thank you to those. Maybe it's a friend that's just an awesome mom. Maybe it doesn't even have to be a mom. This is, this is something that applies across the board. Watch those who humbly serve, imitate those who humbly serve, and thank those who humbly serve. Let's put that into action. What a cool reputation for our church to have is to be the church that is so grateful For everyone that serves. What an amazing reputation to have. As we close out, uh, as we go to our time of communion, I want to remind us that um, watching people that serve, imitating people who serve, thanking people who serve is great. Uh, As we take this turn towards communion, a reminder that first and foremost, we watch the Christ who humbly serves. First and foremost, it all comes from the Christ who humbly serves. It come, first and foremost, we're called to imitate the Christ who humbly serves. And, and maybe others are the way marker to help make that happen. But ultimately, it's the call to follow the Christ who humbly serves. And, and then what we do now in the communion is we thank those who humbly serve. Well, that's our prayer as we take this communion together. God. We're thankful for Jesus we're thankful for his time we're thankful for the way that he set aside his ego to come and live with us and not just live but to serve and the way that he humbled himself God and he had every reason not to but he did and because of, because of his humility his obedience on the cross Uh, we remember him now with bread that represents his broken body the juice that represents his blood that was shed for us and we're thankful God. we're thankful that Jesus humbled himself and God we're thankful that you restored him to full glory and that's who we worship now your son's home.